A Christian cannot be a non-disciple. A Christian is always a disciple, one who ardently follow Christ. Of course, there may be varying intensity with which one follows Christ. But without a doubt, everyone's faith and commitment to Jesus increases with time. And thus proving themselves to be faithful followers of Jesus and the name Christians belong to them. Are all Christians expected to be disciples? Well, the answer is fairly given in our earlier study. At the end of our study, we noticed that it is the genuine disciples of Jesus Christ who uh, later came to be known as Christians. In fact, literally, the word Christians there means the party of Christ or the group of Christ, the people of Christ. That's what it means, literally, Christians. So, genuine Christians uh, were expected to be a people of Christ, a disciple of Christ, or disciples of Christ. So, dear friends, I just want to call your attention to a man called Joseph of Arimathea. We interestingly read about this man in the Gospel of John, uh, that's where I want to begin. So can you turn your Bibles to John 19 and verse 38? John 19, 38. And we read in John 19, 38, after, and after this Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And then verse 39, And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night, brought a mixture of mire and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices as a manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. You see three, two names here in this event recorded with reference to Christ's death and burial. And those names are Joseph of Arimathea, and a man called Nicodemus. Of course, there are other names such as Jesus or Pilate. But we are talking about disciples, right? We do not know a great deal about Joseph of Arimathea. 
But right here, firstly, we take note that he is identified as a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus. Why was he called a disciple? And what did it mean to him? Well, we know one or two things about this man from the scriptures, though we do not know exactly why he was called Joseph, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, maybe because he come from a village or a small town called Arimathea, but nobody knows of such a place. There are several suggestions by Bible scholars, but nobody has um, conclusively proven uh, that uh, there was such a town or such a place. We have not found any documents or any indication from archaeology and so on. Uh, though we do not know exact location, we know he was known as Joseph of Arimathea. And um, interestingly, this person appears in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, always in connection with Jesus' burial. Okay, so in all the four Gospels, he is seen, uh, but in connection with Christ's burial. However, we are told in John 19, verse 38, that he was a disciple of Jesus. So what brought him to Jesus after his death upon crucifixion was the fact that he was a disciple he was a follower of Christ, but we don't see him being mentioned as a follower prior to this, prior to the time of Jesus' burial. Now, a few facts I want to bring to your attention about this man before I ex explain the matter of discipleship with reference to Joseph. Now, please look at Matthew 27, 57. If you can quickly turn, you will find in Matthew 27, 57. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. So this is the second time we see in the, in the New Testament, Jesus, Joseph being mentioned as Jesus' disciple. He was not one of the twelve, but we are seeing him right here at this time as a genuine disciple of Jesus because we know he's risking his life at this point of time to come and identify himself uh, with Christ. So, Jesus' body was hanging on the cross and as sun was about to set, this man comes and he is identified as a rich man of Arimathea, a very rich man. That's why he had a piece of land near Golgotha where Jesus was crucified and next to that plot or right there, you might say, 
was that garden of Joseph, the rich man, where Jesus was buried. So he was a rich man. Now, if you check Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verse 43. Mark 15, verse 43. You see Joseph of Arimathea being mentioned there. An honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Now let's take note some facts about this man here. Again, in connection with Jesus' burial, we find him. But some truths about him prior to this sudden appearance of Joseph of Arimathea given by Mark as well. He also identified this man as Joseph of Arimathea and then says he is an honorable counselor. That's incredible, right? Honorable counselor. He was a respected teacher of God's word. He had the wisdom of God in his mind. In other words, he was an ardent student of the Old Testament. He was serving in what is known as Sanhedrin. Uh, in fact, the general consensus of many Bible scholars is that this statement here, he was an honorable uh, member or a prominent uh, counselor of Sanhedrin. Now, Sanhedrin was uh, really a, a body of a ruling body of the Jews. They served in the temple as leaders of the temple and the spiritual moral matters of the nation of Israel. It was a, it's like a board of elders or in those days when we have synod where all the representatives of various board of elders would come together and form the synod. So it is somewhat like a synod. The very spiritually minded people gathered together. But of course, when Jesus was here on earth, Sanhedrin was filled with a lot of hypocrites, Pharisees, who were not genuine in their faith. But this man is seen differently. He was very respectful as a teacher. And he is also said to be a man waited for the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? We know the kingdom of God always existed. God is the king. He reigned supreme over all the earth. There was never, the kingdom of God was absent. God always reigned supreme. But the coming of God's kingdom has two aspects. One is the coming of the king to save the people. That's the first coming of Christ. And the second coming of Christ is also referred to as the coming of the kingdom. Now, the coming of the kingdom for which Joseph was waiting must be Jesus' first coming for our salvation. And this man, Joseph, 
after studying the Old Testament scriptures carefully, believe that Messiah the King will come to redeem His people. And He waited for the kingdom of God. He was waiting. You know, we have some people uh, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 who were waiting for the Messiah. One was a man called Simeon. The other one was an old widow called Hannah. They were all waiting for the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior. And there were many like Simeon and Hannah and one among them was Joseph. And Joseph, having studied the Old Testament scriptures, anticipated that Jesus the Messiah would come any time. And true enough, Jesus came. And that's why it is written here in Mark 15, 43, that Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, meaning a teacher, respected, revered man from the leadership of Israel, which was also which also waited for the kingdom of God. So he was anticipating the Christ coming, came and went in boldly unto Pilate. Now that tells us that there was very there were very few who had the courage to appear before the Roman governor and make requests. Because Pilate was a rather uh, strong and violent kind of governor under the Roman emperor. And he would subdue the Jewish uh, people who appeared to him as rebelling against his power. So very few people would have gone to Pilate who has ordered to crucify Christ, though not willingly, but unwillingly, because he didn't see any sin in Jesus or any crime he has uh, committed. But because of the insistence of the Jews who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate allowed Jesus to be crucified. So, if he is, if, if Pilate is in agreement with the crucifixion of Christ, and if he allowed Jesus to be killed in that way. How would one dare to go to him and say, Sir, can I ask something on behalf of Jesus Christ? In this case, can I take the body down from the cross and give him a proper burial? Because for the, Jew, for the Romans, in those days to hang a person on, on the cross and put him in a, in a common place where this person who is hanging on the cross is a display of the Roman power and is a warning to the people that don't rebel, don't think of yourself uh, uh, as a king here under the Roman emperor. If you do so, you'll be killed like a slave and hung on the tree. So that's the mentality of the Roman governor. He wanted to strike fear in the people if they would dare to rebel. So Jesus was put on the cross and then Roman soldiers were given by Pilate to guard 
the body of Christ against any of his followers coming to take it down. It is in this context that Joseph made a daring move to appear before Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus. He craved for the body of Jesus. He was risking his own life to ask for Jesus' body. And that tells us how much respect and love Joseph had for Christ. So we notice that he was a very rich man. He was an honorable counselor, maybe a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership, who was a man who believed, according to the promises of the Old Testament, of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the kingdom of God. And then he was as we noticed from John's Gospel, chapter 19, he was a secret follower. Verse 38, chapter 19, verse 38 of John. He was secretly following Jesus for the fear of the Jews. Why was he following secretly? Well, that's the thing that we need to answer. Well, answer is pretty obvious in John 19.38 because of the fear of the Jews. The Jews would have retaliated that such a high-powered member of Sanhedrin has chosen to follow Jesus Christ. But he didn't stop following Christ. He was smart, he was wise, he didn't talk much about uh, his, uh, his love for Christ. He kept it under wrap. He was keeping it very quiet while he secretly followed Jesus because he wanted not to uh, cause some deep stabilizing in the community. He didn't want the, the Jews to rise in anger and fight against Christ and his disciples and even uh, Joseph himself. So, he was very careful. But you see, dear brethren, the truth is that a genuine Christian, a genuine disciple, cannot be a secret follower for too long. He, being an immature disciple, one may be a little bit scared, like Joseph was. One may be a little hesitant to go forward and show his commitment to Christ. But it the time will come, no matter how uh, dangerous the situation be, the disciple will stand up for his faith in Christ. The disciple will stand up for his love and allegiance to Christ. And Joseph sensed that the time for him to stand up in courage, in faith and dedication for Jesus Christ as his true disciple, was when it was at its worst or most dangerous situation. Because the Jews were angry toward Jesus. They were ready to go after not only Christ, but even his followers. It is at that time he dared to stand for Christ. 
what an amazing story. Up until now, he was secret. Secret followers are not the best of followers, as you and I know. Uh, it is not a very bright picture of one's faith. It's not a real expression of one's loyalty to Christ. Secretly following. Actually, I wonder what is secret following. In my thinking, with putting all these facts about Joseph of Arimathea together, he was carefully comparing the Old Testament scriptures with Jesus, his claims and his ministry. And he came to a point there, a point in his life as an ardent student of the Bible that he could not anymore hide his appreciation for Jesus Christ. He was so overwhelmed by the fact that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. All his teachings, all his works all fitted well. And he found Jesus Christ Christ to be the true, genuine, redeemer, Messiah. And that's why he comes into open. That's why he comes clearly saying, look, I love this man whom you have crucified. You may hate him. Nobody could stop you from killing him. Now that he is dead, I want to tell you, I will not hide away from him anymore. Here I come. O Pilate, you did what you did, but may I have the permission from you to take the body of Jesus from the cross and bury him. That was indeed a very daring move. Now, as we saw in chapter 19 of Gospel of John, verse 38, the fact that he was secret follower, a secret disciple, was due to his fear of the Jews. He feared the Jews. To him, his position in Sanhedrin, or his position as a respected man, in the community of the Jews was very important. He would not give up that fascination with leadership he has. He would not give up that prominent place he had among the Jews. So he remained silent. But that is not acceptable. If you want to follow Jesus Christ sincerely, you must give up all things and follow him. You must take up the cross and follow him. So here comes the time that Joseph of Arimathea, who was a curious follower, becomes a genuine follower. He becomes a true Christian, a true genuine follower of Christ. And that's why he comes to the open and tells Pilate, that he is ready to take the body of Jesus and bury it. In fact, 
this was a very dangerous move on Joseph's part. To ask for the body of man who was crucified was a dangerous thing. Let me tell you why. Crucifixion is often given to people who have done great crime of rebelling against the emperor, Caesar. Just because you did a crime, they wouldn't kill you. They must see you as a political threat to the power of Caesar. Yes, they may kill some murderous people. It's possible. Capital punishment existed in those times. But it is pretty obvious from all the facts that we looked at. Joseph was here before Pilate to ask for Jesus' body in a very daring way. It could mean that Joseph would be seen as a supporter of king's enemy, namely Jesus. Because the Jewish accusation about Jesus was that Jesus claimed to be the king, the king of the Jews. And that particular accusation against Jesus, that Jesus claimed as a king, worked well with Pilate. And that's why Pilate ordered to kill Christ. Because he claimed, I mean the people said that Jesus claims to be the king. Which Jesus never claimed to be a king to replace the Roman uh, emperor. But that's how they interpreted him. Even though that was the case, even though it was a very volatile, dangerous time, Joseph remained focused on his desire to come and make it known to all that he is truly a follower of Christ. So he exposed himself to a greater danger than he had tried to avoid by approaching Pilate. And when he approached Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus Christ, whom Pilate is commanded to kill, it was nothing but pure trust in God and a dedication to follow Christ. We see in Mark chapter 15, would you come there once again? Go back to Mark 15. Verses 44 and 45. This is a very interesting event here. Mark 15 verses 44 to 45. Pilate marveled if he were already dead, calling unto him the centurion. He asked him whether he had been any while dead. So Pilate wanted to know whether Jesus was dead. He was quite surprised Jesus died pretty uh, pretty quickly than he expected Jesus to die. And so Pilate called <coughs> the centurion and said, check how long was Christ die, was dead. He asked him whether he had been any while dead. Verse 45, when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. 
Now, as soon as Pilate learned from the centurion that Jesus was dead for a while, he called Joseph of Arimathea and asked him to take the body of Christ. And then we move on to verse 46. He brought fine linen and took Jesus' body down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock and rolled the stone under the door of the sepulcher. Amazing. He risked his life to accept the body of Jesus Christ and bury him in a grave that belonged to him and gave the great honor of Jesus to be buried among the rich like Joseph of Arimathea. He gave a glorious burial to Christ. Why? Why would he do that? He was risking his own life in the, in the eyes of the Jews because Jews hated Christ and to have Joseph one among their leaders go over to support Jesus would be deemed as worthy of death. Nonetheless, Joseph didn't fear. And he went and took Jesus' body and buried. You see, what you see here is a man coming out of oblivion to open an open testimony of one's love for Christ. A disciple is one who would begin to love Jesus Christ by studying the Bible and see how wonderful a Savior Jesus is. And he grows with, day, uh, with daily experience of Christ. So in the case of Joseph, At some point in Jesus' public ministry, he comes to know Jesus Christ. He came to know about Jesus Christ and started to follow him. But secretly, But the thing is, he was following Christ. He was a disciple, secret, a secret follower. Even though he was secret for the fear of the Jews, he did follow. He didn't cease from following. And that bring him all the way to Christ, take Jesus Christ from the cross and put him in the cave, right? In the cave so that he may be buried. And these are all fulfillment of God's word in the Old Testament. And so Joseph grew with time as a disciple. Who loved Jesus Christ. And from secrecy, he comes into open became an open follower of Christ. And that's what a disciple does. Sometimes some of us are rather shy, rather unsure 
how, whether to follow Christ. We struggle within our heart. But if you are a true disciple, you will leave secrecy in due course and become an open proclaimer of Christ, just like Joseph. Now, this is an illustration. And many things that we are going to learn from tomorrow onwards will give us a very clear picture that a Christian ought to be a disciple. Or only a disciple can be called a true, dis true Christian. So, considering what we learned thus far, we come to the conclusion that not all who pretended to be disciples were disciples. But among them, there were secret disciples. But they were in a pursuit of growing faith and loyalty toward Christ. So if I were to, again, use my board, and I like to illustrate sometimes, but I'm not a good artist, just for the purpose of illustration. So we had a big group of people known as disciples. Now this is a loose use of the word disciples. And here you, you had uh, people who were spectators, right, spectators. And then you had uh, people who were disciples of, you know, uh, others like the Pharisees. And they also came along sometimes. They were disciples of John the Baptizer. But one thing we see is that some from this group, and of course I must also say they were genuine believers, So all of these were collectively known disciples. Some of them fell, aw fell away and they stopped following Christ. As we saw in John chapter 6, stop following Christ. But some here start to grow toward Christ. They start to grow. So when they started to grow toward Christ, it was, at least in Joseph's case, from secrecy to open allegiance to Christ. And if you look at John 19 again, you see another man being mentioned, verse 39, Nicodemus. You see him, John chapter 3, coming in the night to ask Jesus how to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. And this man who struggled with entering into the kingdom, now coming to Jesus Christ at his death and join Joseph. By the way, remember Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. 
Jesus himself asked Nicodemus in John 3, Being a teacher of the law, don't you know what it means to be born again? So, probably Nicodemus and Joseph knew one another. It is very likely that they knew one another because, as I said, it appears that Joseph of Arimathea being a renowned, honorable uh, counselor was a member of Sanhedrin, very likely. And being a teacher of Israel, Nicodemus also was a, a, a member of Sanhedrin. But both of them now do not fear the Jews anymore. They come to open, to declare their allegiance to Christ when Jesus died on the cross. They saw Jesus' death on the cross as a real fulfillment of the true Messiah. About whom Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 that he will bear our sins and our chastisement will be upon him. And both Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus moves away from secret following to open following of Christ and put their life at risk to show their love for Christ who died for the sins of his people. And so you realize if you are a true disciple, then you are a Christian, one who belongs to Christ, one who do what Christ wants. So every true Christian ought to be a disciple. His discipleship may grow in its understanding, in its commitment, but he will be a follower of Christ. A Christian cannot be a non-disciple. A Christian is always a disciple one who ardently follow Christ. And of course, there may be varying intensity with which one follows Christ. But without a doubt, everyone's faith and commitment to Jesus increases with time. And thus proving themselves to be faithful followers of Jesus. And the name Christians belong to them. You've been listening to Reverend Dr. Prabhudas Koshi from Our Family Camp in 2022. Hopefully this episode has given you or helped you regain some insight into how you can follow Christ the way that he calls you to. Feel free to listen to the complete series on YouTube or on our website. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host Joshua Na and we'll be back next Wednesday with another message on discipleship, our calling from Christ.